<clears throat> you may not realize that uh, lots goes into helping prepare for a day like today, any Sunday, and, and uh, all of our guys that lead worship and the worship team, those that serve in that way, uh, they're always here early, getting ready, and I, I just appreciate that so much uh, in helping us lead our hearts uh, before the throne of God. I'm grateful that you're here, and my prayer is that you had a good Thanksgiving over the last several days. Um, <clears throat> I want to um, talk some about the Advent season. We've already mentioned that today's the beginning of the Advent season, but I want to make one announce, two announcements and, and, uh, and then have a prayer, and then we'll do, we'll do that. Um, the first is that some of you saw an email uh, a couple of weeks ago now uh, that I think Mark Pratt sent, but um, w- there was an opportunity to, to help participate in an activity and an event that happens during the holiday season with Christian Homes of Abilene, and Elizabeth Bingham is on the board with that, uh, that organization, and they fill stockings for kids who uh, are a part of that organization. And so many of you responded to that email. And so I want you to know that those stockings are here today. Elizabeth has those. If you want to get those from her and begin filling those, if you're not sure what that's about, um, then you can see Elizabeth. And she, I think she actually has some extras. So uh, also I want to uh, welcome uh, John and Diana Freeman. John and Diana are sitting right over here. Would you all raise your hands where you are? Well, they uh, have, have wanted, they want me to know, say to you, thank you for welcoming, welcoming us so kindly, and they would like to place membership here at Kaufman Church of Christ, so would you all join me in welcoming John and Diana? And uh, we're really grateful to you guys and your interest in being a part of this church family and journeying with us as the body of Christ, and so I'm going to ask if you would stand uh, this morning before we start the sermon, and we're going to pray, and if you're near, John and Diana would surround them. If you haven't got a chance to meet them, I want you to do that as well. I'm excited about uh, their role here and what God's going to do through them. So let's pray uh, together for, uh, to welcome them and also as we begin in our time in God's Word together. Father, it's a great day and we're thankful uh, as we begin this journey over the next month and building anticipation about <clears throat> what you're doing uh, through the birth of Christ and what you did through Christ's life and death and resurrection. And yet we, we see around us, God, the evidence of things that are unfinished, a world that is still in desperate need of Christ. And so we pray, Father, though it is difficult sometimes, as Bill said, uh, we pray that you'll come soon and that we know that you'll do that. We hope and believe and trust that that is our reality And we ask, God, that you'll, in the meantime, as we live in this space, you'll help us to be your people here in this place where you've put us. And toward that end, God, we thank you this morning that you have brought John and Diana Freeman uh, to be here as a part of this family. It is such a blessing any time that anyone wants to be a part of this church body. And I know that those of us who are and have been a part of this church family for many years I have such a deep appreciation for what you're doing here among us, and we're so grateful to be a part of that, and we're so excited any time that anyone else sees that and is interested in journeying with us. And so we pray for them and for their family, and we ask your blessing to be upon them, and we look forward to the ways that you'll use them and their gifts uh, to build your kingdom here on earth. And we pray through the name of Jesus Christ this morning, and the church said... Amen. Thank you guys so much. 
So we're going to be in Matthew 24 in just a few minutes, and I would encourage you to find a Bible uh, so that you can read along in Matthew 24. But before we read from Matthew 24, each year when we start Advent, uh, I always like to spend a few minutes talking about Advent and what it is, because the reality is a lot of us don't have history with Advent. Uh, that word itself might even you know, create some pause for some of you. You might have heard the word, but it's unfamiliar to you. Maybe you've been a part of this church body the entire time that we've been celebrating and recognizing Advent, but you're still not real sure what it is. And you're, you know, like I see the Christmas trees and I hear Doug saying that word Advent, but I'm not really sure what exactly is going on. And so before we jump into the sermon, I know I mentioned that there's an insert in, the, in this morning's bulletin. I just want to add uh, in true preacher fashion a bit more to those thoughts uh, that I hope will be helpful to you because the reality is if we're celebrating Advent, it should be meaningful and it should be helpful to us. We're not just doing it uh, because it seems like you know, a fun thing to do. We, we're doing it because we believe it has purpose and value and it, it can help us as followers of Jesus Christ uh, live into this season of the year that is often you know, embraced for other reasons. And so let me, let me just say a bit more about it and then we'll look in Matthew 24. So the first thing I want you to know is that Advent actually marks the beginning of the Christian calendar. Now, someone might say, what is the Christian calendar? Which is a good question. The Christian calendar is a year-long time of remembering important events in Jesus' life and then living those events out in your own life with the body of Christ, the church. So uh, it's a way of marking time would be another way to think about it. There's a really helpful illustration uh, that, that is going to be up here for a few minutes and I want to talk about that I, I've discovered a couple of years ago that I think gives uh, a, a visual idea to help kind of think about what Advent is. And so we mark, we mark time, right, as human beings from starting in January going through December. That's our year. But the Christian calendar marks time by the story of Jesus. So Advent is the new year, the beginning of the Christian year. So today's the first day of the Christian year. Happy New Year. You didn't even know it, right? So <clears throat> you see there on, the, on the, le- the top left, the idea between ad- of Advent is that it's supposed to build anticipation for Christmas, right? We, it's a season of anticipating Christmas and the incarnation, the coming of Christ as a human being. So Advent anticipates the coming of the Messiah Christmas celebrates the birth of the Messiah, which we know if that event doesn't happen, then his death and burial and resurrection also never happen. So we we see that as a significant moment as well. Epiphany is the next moment in the Christian calendar, and it remembers the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles. When the the story of the wise men and the Gospels, when the wise men who came from another country who were not Jews came and they saw Christ for the first time, and they they had they had an epiphany. That's that's what that idea represents. So it's it's this that God, idea that God didn't just come for Jews, though Jesus was a Jew. God came for Gentiles as well, and that's a significant moment because we're a part of that that crew that group. So Lent is the next part in the Christian calendar, and that may be one you've heard of. Uh, it is sort it's this intended to be kind of a solemn journey of reflection of repentance uh, toward the cross. This leads up to the time of Easter, which is the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. Also another, the most significant event, right? 
And then the next one is Pentecost, the, the, which marks the birth of the church. When the Holy Sp- Jesus ascends back to the Father's right hand, the Holy Spirit comes and descends on God's people, and the church launches from there in Jerusalem to around the world. And so those are sort of the, the moments there and in the, the significant moments that are marked in the Christian calendar. And then begins what is called ordinary time or kingdom time, which leads us through the year back to Advent. And so you see there the top, the middle circle, the top part is the story of Jesus. And the next part of the year, uh, we are celebrating and living into the, God's story as God's people, the story of the people of God, which, we, which is referred to as ordinary time. Now, here's why this matters. Because how we tell time determines who we are. So for example, because we all expect fireworks on the fourth day of the seventh month, it means that you're an American, right? Calendars create culture. Calendars create culture. You don't celebrate holidays in Peru because you aren't Peruvian, right? And in the same way, the Roman calendar told the Roman story. The American calendar tells the American story. The Jewish calendar tells the Jewish story, and the Christian calendar tells the Christian story. They don't have to be in competition with one another, but they might be at times, and we should be shaped mostly by the story of Jesus. And here as a church at KCOC, we've been celebrating Advent for the last six or seven years, but it's actually a Christian tradition that's been around for close to 1,500 years, so we're a little late to the party. And whether this is your first Advent season with us here at KCOC or you've been here since we started talking about it and recognizing it, uh, and again, some may still be curious, you know, not fully understanding, I always want to keep explaining it and providing resources that can be helpful. Personally, I'll just, a personal side, uh, you know, a side note about it is that I want to make a big deal about the, the church calendar because I want my life and the lives of my children And I want our church's life together to be formed by the gospel story of Jesus Christ more than any other story that will try to shape your life and my life as we live here on God's earth. I want us to be as a church more formed by the story of Jesus than other competing stories that are out there. And because we are Christian, the simple fact is that we should be shaped by Jesus and less by other holidays. More by Easter than by the 4th of July, as an example. That doesn't mean the 4th of July is a bad thing or that we should stop celebrating it, but we should be shaped more by the Easter than by that, by our independence and freedom as a person who God has rescued than, as, than our independence and freedom as a person who lives in, in this great country, right? Again, not competing ideas, but important to know which one we are shaped more by more by Advent than by the secular Christmas season that promotes consumption, that promotes a lot of things that really don't have much to do with Christ coming or Christ returning. And I won't go off into that because I'll start meddling. <clears throat> and so there are resources that, that we make available every year. Uh, there are some of, in, the, in the Connections booth in the foyer. There's a lot on our website, kaufmanchurch.org, uh, and they'll be, we'll be trying to add those throughout the season. Uh, One thing we're going to do each Wednesday night over the next three Wednesdays in December 
Uh, all the adults are invited to gather in the fellowship hall for a time to think about Advent together, and then all of that will culminate in our Christmas Eve service here at this, in this spot on December the 24th. So again, my hope is that that, that maybe gives you a little bit more information. I, I try, I'm trying just a little, little bit more information every year so that we continue to understand what it is exactly that we're celebrating. And so with that, we're going to read our passage this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, we're going to begin in verse 36, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. These are Jesus' words, and he says this. He says, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, Jesus says, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them food at their proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if this is your first Advent season here at KCOC, you may already be thinking, you know, I thought you said that this season was about Christ coming as a baby and that doesn't sound very Christmassy, does it? The weeping and gnashing of teeth bit, especially at the end. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But what I want to start with is to say that for hundreds of years, and Katerina referenced this in her reading at the beginning of our worship time, for hundreds of years, the Jews had been expecting and waiting and hopeful for the coming of the Messiah. So when the last part of the Old Testament closes, you know, and the first part of Matthew begins, we just see a page or two in our Bibles But what actually took place was a span of hundreds and hundreds of years. So when Jesus came as a baby, it was this moment when nobody was prepared for because they weren't looking for God to come as a baby. But it's the moment we refer to as the first advent, his first arrival. We believe that he came as a child and we recognize that his coming was important because of the cross and the resurrection. And without his coming as a child, those events never happened. But we are not Jews. We are Christians. So now, as Christians, we live between the Advents, between His first coming and His second coming. 
His first coming as a baby and his second advent when he returns one day. And as people who live on this side of Christ's first advent, our goal is to live with the same kind of anticipation of Jesus' return that early Jews would have lived with about his first coming. And so this passage is all about us, people who, who live on, and people there who lived on this side of Christ's first coming. And our passage this morning is Jesus' words that come really in the middle of a larger conversation that it starts at the beginning of chapter 24 that he's having with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. At the beginning of 24 and verse 3, Jesus says, it, sa- it says this, the disciples asked, tell us when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of of the age. That, that verse, that's, that's verse 3, and it starts there, and then what we just read is Jesus continuing to answer this question. Tell us, when will it happen? When will this coming happen? And what will be the sign of the coming and of the end, end of the age? And so then Jesus offers his answer, and according to Jesus, there will be no sign. No one outside of God, he says, knows when Jesus is coming back. Life will carry on like we know it until the day that God gives the green light to Jesus and says, it is time. And to explain what he means, Jesus uses an illustration from the Old Testament story of Noah and the flood. The flood story in Genesis chapter 6 and 7 is an example of a time in history when a world-changing event took place that people were not prepared for, even though they knew something was coming. So here Jesus says, it will sort of be like that, so keep watch. Because in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage, which is Jesus' way of saying everyday life was kind of continuing on like normal, right up to the day Noah entered the flood, Noah entered the ark, excuse me. So it will be like that, sort of, Jesus says. And the the way that you prepare for that is you just keep watch and be ready. And watching means living with expectation, which is what Advent is about. Watching means being alert, being awake enough, not being spiritually asleep to the point that you miss what God might be up to. Watching means being ready for the Lord to become back because like those that lived in the days of the flood, did not know when the flood would happen, we do not know when Christ's coming will happen either. And the thing is, church, that most of the time we live, I think, with a pretty strong awareness of the present, right? Like life can be really hard, and so it's like I have a hard time thinking about Jesus' return or anticipating His return because I'm, you know, I've, I've got life that's always happening in front of me with family and with friends and with work and with challenges with relationships and challenges with decisions that I made in the past and I have bills to pay and I have, you know, life just kind of continues on. And so how can I live with expectation and anticipation when I know that life is always here in front of me? The present is so real that I can't think about the future. Sometimes we, we, we do a good job of, you know, being physically present with the people in front of us, maybe putting our phone down and looking people in the eye. But sometimes we live with our eyes on the present to the extent that it completely ignores and neglects the future. And I believe this is why 
Jesus tells the story of the servant that forgets that his master is coming back and then begins to mistreat his fellow servants. The problem with the servant was that when the servant saw that his master was a long time in coming back, he started, notice this, to live in a way that was hurtful to his fellow servants. He did things that, to them that he would never have done had his master been present in the room. He began to live and behave in unfaithful and foolish ways. He lived for himself without any regard for the future or the coming return of the master. And Jesus tells this story to make a point. And what's the point? Don't be like this servant. Don't be like this servant. And so the question we ask is, well then, Jesus, how can we avoid being like this guy? Right? How can we not do how can we do something different from what he did and live in a way that's different from the way that he lived? And the answer is hard and also very simple. We have to keep watch and we have to be ready. And a lot of times the thing that happens when we read passages like this is that we want to talk about all the ways that things are going to you know unfold when Jesus returns, especially In verses 40 and 41, the part where Jesus talks about two men being in a field and two women grinding wheat, you know, we want to dive into those kind of parts of this story and go like, what's up with all of that, right? Let's figure that out. Is that that the rapture? What's that mean? Is that, that, you know, what's going on there? And this is what I really believe about, about that part in particular, but also about what Jesus is trying to accomplish, the point that he's trying to communicate about not being like this servant and helping us as his people be ready and keep watch. The important thing is, to not, is not to get the details of Jesus' return exactly right. People are all, they're crazy about like trying to predict this stuff. You can go, go online and you can waste hours of your life trying to figure out what other people think about Jesus' return, and it's a waste of time. Because I, I think Jesus would say to us, don't worry about the details and getting the details of my return exactly right. The important thing is to get us right, for us to be prepared, right? This is what Jesus is trying to help us with, and he says that no one knows. So the point isn't then, you know, if you're just making that application from that, the point isn't about getting the details right. If only God knows, then only God probably knows the details, outside of a few glimpses of, of that you might get with allusions and words and things that happen in Scripture, there, there's very, real, very little that we actually know. And the point is not that. The point is to live lives of faithful anticipation. And this, church, is what the Advent season is about. Because I will start and confess, I'm not great at living with faithful anticipation of Christ's return. I, like you, we all get so caught up in the day-to-day stuff of life that very rarely do we lift our eyes beyond that to, to long for and hope for and anticipate the return of Jesus Christ, which, as Bill said in his communion thoughts, is going to be so much better than we could imagine. That I love the way he said that, that when it happens, we'll be like, well, should we, now I really wish I would have prayed for it to happen more quickly, Right? And so I love this season because I think we need a time every year where we reset our minds and reset our hearts and even our calendars 
to the story of Jesus Christ. Advent is meant to remind us that He is coming so that we keep our hearts ready when He does come back. So the question for us is this, how can we be ready? What does readiness look like? I want to offer two things this morning that I think it can help, that, that, that I, think it, I think it can look like. And the first one is, readiness looks like living intentionally. Living intentionally. In this case, the servant beats his fellow servants and he eats and drinks with drunkards, which I said, as I said a minute ago, he would never do if the master was present. Which leads us to ask the question of ourselves, what are we doing that if Jesus was present physically, we would not waste our time doing? That's the answer to our question about what does it mean for you. And it's a personal answer, I believe, because all of our lives are different and we're all doing different things. What would we do differently if Christ was physically present? Well, how would we live with an awareness of Christ's return? in a different way. And I think living with an awareness of Christ's return really should create a sense of urgency for us about what really matters, how we spend our time and our resources, what we spend our lives doing. All too often, people think, I'll get serious about Jesus someday. There's so much fun to be had in life, so much to do, so much to see, so little time. And Jesus' point is that if we've waited to get serious about our faith until some later point. At some point, there may not be a later point to get serious about our faith. Living intentionally means choosing to forgive now. Instead of thinking, I'll get around to that someday. Living intentionally means choosing to love neighbors that are your fellow servants that you might not like or even might disagree with, but choosing to do it because you believe that God's going to return and you believe also in the love that God has shown toward you. Living intentionally means thinking about how you spend your time and energy and resources. It means living lives of faith in God instead of living lives of fear that are being sold day in and day out by the world. The goal is in living intentionally, is to avoid going through the motions of the Christian life without actually engaging in the Christian life. Liking Jesus for His blood, but not really sure about wanting to give your life to Him completely and fully. Some people have referred to that as vampire Christians. Don't be a vampire Christian. You like Jesus for His blood, but you're not so interested in His life and your life aligning with His life. One author says it this way, he says, Christ's second coming should be on our minds and in our hearts, not in such a way that we stop everything we're doing and sit still, but in such a way that it affects everything we are doing. Our thinking about Jesus is not forced, it's the result of love. When Christ is on your mind, you can't wait to see Him. And we know this is true, don't we? If you have a friend or a loved one that's been some time since you've physically seen them with your own eyes and touched them with your hands, and then you have a reuniting, there is something sweet about that moment, and you long for that moment. Christ should be on our minds in such a way that it affects everything that we're doing. 
In the very next, next chapter, in chapter 25 in Matthew, Jesus will teach as an illustration I, to, to this quote I would offer. He'll teach those that those who, who will be welcomed in the kingdom, and those who will be welcomed in the kingdom are those who looked for Him in the lives of other people. That any time, He says, we gave food or clothing or visited someone or cared for someone or extended hospitality to someone, that we did that for Christ. That is what it looks like for our perspective about Jesus' return in the future to impact our lives in the present. That Because we believe that is going to happen, it changes what we do in this moment, which leads me to the second thing that is involved with being ready. The first is living intentionally, and the second is simply being faithful. In the story that Jesus told, the servant was given a job. The master put him in charge of making sure the other servants had food at their proper time, verse 45. And Jesus asked at the beginning, who then is the faithful and wise servant? And the answer is, not people that live like that guy. The problem was that the servant lost his focus. His his stamina waned. And when it did, he started to live in a way that was not faithful or wise. So being faithful at least in part, means living with character. Character, some of you have heard the definition that's been used for many, many years, is who you are when no one else is watching. Or in this case, doing what you know the master wants you to do, even when you can't see the master there. What is the thing, this is the the way that I thought about it as I was thinking about this idea. If you've ever taught a children's Bible class at this church, or children's worship, and you have a child who is misbehaving, and you've attempted to correct and encourage and lovingly kind of get them back on the right path. I know this never happens with any of our kids at this church. If you've done that, and you find yourself at a moment where, you know, you, you don't know what else to do, right? And their mom and dad are not around. Grandmother, grandfather, they're not around. What do you say? You say to them, do I need to go find your mom? Is that, am I the only one that happened to as a child? <laughs> yeah, thank you, James. James and I are the only two. Right? If you've ever taught a children's class or children's worship, that, that might have ha- you might have said those words, right? Why do we do that? Why does that happen? Because we know that something as simple as a parent's presence will, most of the time, improve the child's behavior. What are the things that we would never do if the Master Jesus was physically present? Or what are the things that we would never do if we knew when the Master Jesus was returning? Here's the thing. He is present, and He is returning. One final quote that I want to share uh, Gary Holloway says, says it this way. He says, we stay ready. This is, again, the idea about being faithful. We stay ready not by constantly asking, will it be today? But by living lives of quiet obedience so that whenever He comes, we will be found faithful. We stay ready by doing. We stay ready by remembering His teachings, His miracles, and His life. And every single week, this is what part of what we gather to do, to help us, help us live in that, that life of quiet obedience, 
and surrender to the Lord. Because even from now until next Sunday, we will all forget about how to do that and how to live with a future perspective that Christ is coming back. And so today, as we kick off the Advent season, my, my prayer is that may we live lives of intentional, faithful obedience, knowing that Christ has come and that He's coming again. And when He returns, may Jesus, our Master, find us ready. May He find us to be the faithful and wise servants whom He has put in charge while He is away. Christ has come, and Christ is coming again. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season that helps us remember, and we confess, God, that we are forgetful and that we often fail to lift our eyes beyond the everyday moments of life. We pray this morning, God, that as we enter into this month-long season of anticipation, that you, Father, will build in us a longing, a longing for your return in the same way that Jews thousands of years ago would have been longing for you to come the first time. We're thankful for the story of Jesus Christ and the ways that our lives have an opportunity to align with that story. And we pray, Father, for your blessing upon us as we enter into this season. We're thankful to you for your love for us, for your mercy and grace, and for the hope that we have of your return. We pray through Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. If you would stand with me this morning. Each week we want to provide an opportunity for people to receive prayer, to respond in whatever way that God is you know, calling you to respond. And so it may be that you want to respond in a public way. And if you want to do that, that's, that's fine. And you're welcome to do that. I'll be down front. Uh, you're always encouraged to, to pray with each other uh, as we sing this next song. Uh, there will also be an elder in the back that you can find and pray in a more private way if you'd like to do that. However you need to respond to God, let's do that as we sing together.